I was like, yeah, what? You know, <laughs> especially in our line of work, we often come off as prophets of doom <laughs> a lot, right? Uh, it, it's not going to really be completely um, taken over by AI even, either. I hope not. I like I like Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Cyber Guys podcast, the cybersecurity podcast for everybody. My name is Andrew Valencia, and always I am joined by Mike Hill. But before we get started, a couple things real quick. We have a fantastic episode for you guys today and a fantastic guest, so let's get on to it. If you're new here, make sure you subscribe to the channel. And if you're returning, make sure you click the bell so you're notified every time we post a new video. Don't forget to like and do all those cool things. Now, with all that done, Mike, take it away. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a amazing guest with us today. He is the packet king himself. Uh, you may have seen his YouTube videos or visited his website, The Packet Pioneer. Uh, this guy just, just made a huge splash at DEF CON. And if you're a, a fan of Wirefest, if, if you use Wireshark, this is the guru. So welcome to the show, Chris Greer. Man, it's nice to be here with everybody. How you doing, Michael? How you doing, Andrew? Hey, how's it going? It, it's an absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. You know, it's funny, I, I discovered you um, during COVID because um, ever since I've been in IT and, and, and you know, uh, Andrew will tell you, tell, me, tell you I'm an old head. I, I started as a programmer in the, in the 80s um, and uh, just went through the whole evolution of distributed computing. And throughout my career, even though now I'm more on the executive and management side and governance and, and uh, that sort of thing, um, I, I always teach and I always uh, take classes here and now. But, but during COVID, whenever I taught a class, you know, I'm like, okay, I, I, I don't have folks in the lab. There's a lot of things I can't do. Uh, and it's like, this is just, instead of just sitting, sitting and just listening to me lecture for hours, you know, what can I do to kind of add uh, a different voice to this? So I started scanning uh, YouTube and, and I found you and your stuff was fantastic. And I was like, okay, man, this is better than anything I would have shared with the class. Let me just show, show the video. So I've turned a whole generation of, of, of folks onto, uh, onto your videos. Ho hopefully uh, they're, they're commenters and, and, and active subscribers, uh, but just lo love what you did. I even saw the video you just did last week with Dave Bombles. Great stuff. Oh, awesome. So how did, you really, uh, how did you really get into this? What, what made you decide to uh, take your expertise in uh, TCP IP and using tools like the, the Protocol Analyzer, Wireshark, and just turn it into uh, a, a, focal, a focal point of your life? That's a good question. You know, um, actually, I started out as a network engineer. And uh, I early in my career, so I went down the, the Cisco track, right? I, I uh, kicked off doing CCNA. I was well toward my CCNP and I was actually on the CCNP troubleshoot exam at that time. And, uh, I had some buddies in the industry that, uh, I'd call and ask questions. They're like, yeah, have you ever looked at that with a protocol analyzer? Have you ever seen how the packets actually work in that instance? And, you know, I was like, Ooh, that's interesting. No, I didn't. So what, what happened is I, I started to hear about packet analysis and then I actually was working at a vendor that had acquired a company. This is, an, this is a vendor that sells network analysis and troubleshooting hardware. This is what they do, right? right? right. They, they acquired a protocol analyzer. And they went ahead and said, hey, Chris, you know, we heard you say packets are time or two. So would you like to actually support this new product that we just acquired and help our customers use it better? 
And I'm like, whoa, these, this packet thing's coming back around. So I actually ended up doing some um, tech support. I actually did, did some engineering around the, as well as some engineering around the um, protocol analysis tool that they had acquired. And what I found is that people would call in and they say, hey, Michael, you know, I, I have this problem. This thing is slow on my network and I see it in your analyzer. Um, what's, what's going on here? And I found that I was actually, instead of helping people troubleshoot the tool itself, I would end up helping them fix their networks. Mm. And so then I found, whoa, I was like, wait a second, this, we're onto something here. There's so much truth on the wire, on the traffic level. You know, I, I just really just started going after it because I found that regardless of any certifications, I mean, we were getting called by CCIEs, by th this company's certification people. Like they, they had that expertise in their network environments, but they were still calling us saying, hey, we have your sniffer tool. It, you know, we can't, we still can't find this problem. We got Microsoft people here. We've got Cisco people here. We have all these other people, but the truth would come from the packets and then they'd actually be able to resolve it. So I was yeah, hooked. Yeah. I was like, yeah, what? You know, that, that's great stuff, man. It's really great stuff. I, actually, I, I heard you guys uh, have a quote and, and, and I loved it as soon as I heard it. You know, logs may lie, but the truth is in the packet. <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> Locks, yeah. If you think about it, even in a security, you know, I, I've done a lot of performance analysis in my career, and I've had to pivot into the security side as well, just because there's so much truth there, right? But um, one thing I had heard that quote it, um, in the last couple of years, just that, yeah, logs can be changed. If an attacker gets in, they can adjust that stuff. They can even change an IDS rule they, if they have access to the box. They cannot change the packets that they are generating to get on your system. Exactly. Yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, they no, can, I, they can uh, spoof stuff, but yeah, the packet the packet needs to be sent and go somewhere, so that that just can't be spoofed. Yeah, and, and even you know, there there are going to be indicators of compromise in the spoof packet itself. So, Hundred percent. So so you're 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 really getting to uh, getting to the reality of it. Yeah, you know, I've been doing a lot re recently. We've been doing a lot with uh, threat hunting and and generating new um, models. Uh, we, we do a lot of work. Uh, in uh, the national security space, because we live in Washington D.C., so that's that's the big customer around here. Sure. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting how there's been this more and more interest in how to actually develop uh, rule sets and to go beyond what comes out of the box uh, of, of whatever the SIM tool folks are using. And and, and you know, uh, SIM tools will make a lot of this work easy that you do. Uh, but what would you say is the real value to doing the low level analysis that you do right at the packet level that you don't get from a SIM. No, no. Uh, the SIM complements, but uh, the SIM's not everywhere, right? The Good IDS, point. IPS is not everywhere. Those eyes in the sky are not everywhere, right? It, you know, you think about um, a security camera and it, I, I often make that analogy and that comparison in my own mind when I think of prevention and detection of attacks. And if somebody was trying to attack my house and try to get in, where are the cameras, where are they looking, and what weak spots do I have? And the same is true with IDS IPS systems, with other detection, even log detection. Those eyes are not everywhere, and they're not looking for everything. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we, we see that all the time. Actually, that's a big complaint I have with a lot of our customers. They think, hey, throw up the firewall, the perimeter's safe, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Not quite. <laughs> yeah, it's a false <laughs> sense of security for sure, you know? So, I mean, yeah. what I've been focusing on, and especially because I have a full course, I've got a full two-day course around 
threat hunting with Wireshark. And mm. um, I've taught it several times this year. It's a new course that I'm, I'm actually going to be releasing on my website soon. But the whole premise is they're in. Attackers are in doing C2s back to their environment over HTTPS, and it's walking right by your firewall. Yep, that's right. So now that we've established that, what are they doing? <laughs> Once <they're laughs> right. Exactly. So that's what the whole course is about. Why, wow. why is your printer running Nmap? All <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's not ideal. <laughs> And for folks that know, Nmap is is a scanning and enumeration tool. Uh, it's it's part of the core toolkit in any ethical hacker or not ethical hacker. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, so so why is it's it's finding like why is this device do, behaving in this way, or what kind of signatures can we find on the network of aberrant behavior, strange behavior, attack behavior? And you know, here's what's interesting that's happened uh, for me is that the more content I've developed on the threat hunting side, the more I'm using it on my performance side. So for example, someone will call, mm. Hey, uh, Chris, this application's slow. You know, all these, all these people are going through, um, they're accessing this whole web front end and the, the app's slow. And every now and then it just really bogs down and blah, 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 blah. Well, I find when I'm on those in, uh, types of jobs now, what I find is when I'm using my filters, I'll click through my security filters as well, and I'll get alerts within my own system, like Nmap signatures, for example. I have a whole filter set on Nmap signatures, and if I run those, I'm like, wait a second, you guys. I see Nmap scan activity in this performance weirdness that we're seeing, or we're, we're having strange conversations to countries that we don't usually talk to, and this is what the traffic is proving. So mm. I'm actually finding IOCs while troubleshooting, you know, and like, yeah. and it's, it's crazy. It, it is. So, uh, you know, I, I think that the packet is very powerful truth. And back to your question about the SIM and why, how can packets complement that? Um, they don't look for everything and they're not, and their eyes aren't everywhere. So we have to threat hunt. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, really, I, I've been using uh, this sort of awareness that you that you're raising, and and that I think more in the uh, industry are starting to understand uh, to really push um, some of the zero trust architectures that I'm a big fan of, because mm -hmm. you know we, we can't just think about the perimeter. We actually have to do um, uh, security architecture that runs inside and looks at all the trust boundaries, even the internal ones. Uh, so it's, it's really, really great. You know, I, I have this thing I like to say that uh, the job of cybersecurity folks is to scare people and then make them feel safe. <laughs> we got to scare them first. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Because uh, there's yeah. such a false sense of security that people think, you know, I've got a file. Like you just said it. I have a firewall. I've got a SIM. I have an IDS. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's, that's, that's still ahead of where many are. Especially in our line of work, we often come off as prophets of doom a lot, right? And it, it can kind of get, uh, we get turned off a lot, I think, in, in that instance. And with a lot of the work that you do and, and what we've done on the threat hunting side, actually providing tangible proof that those things are occurring is very powerful. And, and not wait until the after action of, right. of an incident uh, to do this, because it, that, that's what usually happens. We've been hacked. Now we bring in the guys and they say, oh, look at right. all this stuff that's been yep. going on for years. Yeah. Where, you know, 
we're trying to be a little bit of evangelists of, okay, let's, let's get ahead of this because the reality is, yes, they are already in your system. They are already exfiltrating your information, <laughs> yeah. but you know, let's deal with it. Well, and that's a big difference so, that I'll, I'll teach between threat hunting and, and incident response, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. Threat hunting. We, do, we, ha we don't have a tip yet. We, we have no alert yet. If we're threat hunting, we're literally going through our traffic, looking for signatures and, I can understand why a lot of people don't do that because that's sacrificing. It's a lot of time that's being spent and you might not find anything. It's yeah. proactive. You know, actually that, that I give a whole lecture in one of my classes on uh, the pros and cons of AI predictive analytics. And mm. uh, even AI is retrospective. It, it still is based on maybe not specific signatures and hashes, but still behavior uh, in the same pattern of what we've seen in the past. But the idea of taking a novel approach and a human mind that can that can do more than just deduct uh, and analyze it, it's, it's the second to none. So uh, the need for what you do and, and what you're training others to do uh, is not going to really be completely uh, taken over by AI either. I hope not. I like I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny uh, with, with one of our customers, uh, it's, it's a science research organization and uh, they, they're on the cutting edge of, of um, uh, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And, you know, it's a discussion I had with, with one of the PhDs over there that was just hilarious how we were of the same mind. You know, sometimes Hollywood gives people an idea of what systems can do for you. You know, there's, there's always that layperson, manager, senior executive that just sees this stuff as magic anyway. So uh, the, the, the delineation between what you can and can't do just it doesn't exist in their minds. Yeah. You know, but, but when you can get down to the packets and actually show, OK, this is doing this, this is doing this. And, and the thing I love about Wireshark, and, and you've demonstrated this to, to your, uh, your audience many times, is how it really goes through, you know, all your OSI layers and, and lets you drill down and see and see the actual uh, byte data as well. It's, it's great stuff. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit more about um, what you've been working on. Uh, tell us about uh, Packet Pioneer. That's your company, right? Sure. Yeah. So Packet Pioneer is my company. I've uh, been in business about 12 years now. And um, like you said, I, 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 do, uh, I also do a YouTube channel and, and talk about packet analysis and try to get the word out. Um, so it's a, it's a network analysis and troubleshooting company also doing cybersecurity forensics. So when I'm not actually troubleshooting a problem, so someone might call, hey, hey, Chris, we got this issue. You want to, can you help us fix it? You know, we'll, we'll uh, take it from the packet perspective. And when, when I'm not doing that type of service, then the other part is uh, I'm a, um, a Wireshark University affiliate. So I'm, I'm an instructor for Wireshark University. Uh, if you go on wireshark.org and you hit learn, you'll find my stuff. You'll see all my courses. And um, so if I'm not doing it, then I'm teaching how to do it. So I like, I like that angle because if you only teach, you can lose track on what's really happening out there. Yep. And, and I'm sure, as you know, Mike, if you are only doing it, if you're only actively doing it, you can, you know, you're, you're leaving behind others that can benefit from yeah. that experience. Exactly. That's actually the whole reason why I teach, you know, because yeah, I, I probably would have forgotten how to program by now <laughs> if I didn't uh, still teach. I'll still teach an introdu introdu introduction to object oriented programming class with Java programming and C plus, you know, yeah. just so that I don't forget what I know. No, <laughs> so, yeah. so you got you got to do both. But but then you get just like you said, you'll get folks that all they do is just regurgitate um, some curriculum 
and yeah. they lose any practical skill set. Yeah, so exactly. And and they don't even know when their materials start to get out of date. Yeah. Right. That, that's that's very true. Yeah, you're right. Like you know, like I know when my stuff starts to get a little a little rusty a little <laughs> bit. So it's like, oh, I got to brush that up and find. And I'm also what I can do when I'm out there. What I'll do is uh, if we find something really interesting. And I get written permission from the client or whoever, but what we'll do is we'll um, completely wipe the packet trace of any type of data, you know, to dump the payloads, change the IPs, you know, and we'll, we'll um, anonymize it. And then with their written permission, I can then use that in a, a training course. Say, hey, this is a real example. You know, it doesn't have yeah. any identifying information in it, but the, all of the, the, the protocols are the same and things are behaving the same. So the students yeah. get their, their hands on yeah, we, we we can do that sometimes only when, when we like have an agreement with the organization. Um, That's what you have to, to actually to do, but not, not just to to use it, but uh, we'll actually just uh, use uh, cases from their organization. Uh, right. So in other words, uh, without I can't, can't mention some of the some of the customers, sure. but the or, the organization uh, will, will actually use uh, uh, cases from or case information from actual. Uh, uh, after action reports that they've had, and then we'll sure. use that to show the next generation. Okay, this is this is how you take that and capture it and move on. So yeah, that's yeah. That, that's good stuff to be able to use a real live example. I mean, I love malwaretrafficanalysis.net. Check it out, everybody, if you're if you're going to do any threat hunting analysis on your own. But um, in, in the end, uh, we need to actually know how it works in your organization. In the so wild, you can, yeah, yeah, in the yeah. wild, exactly. It's it's mm -hmm. good stuff. Yeah. And I'm actually now, gonna be featuring more of that on my channel too. It's a good reminder, Mike, <laughs> to yeah. to get it back out there to malware analysis. That's a fantastic site. It, it's such a great resource. I, I, kudos, kudos, uh, great job by uh, Brad Duncan for for getting that out uh, and, and sharing that. Because in the past, what we would always have to do is set up a lab, even if it, even if it's a virtual lab, we'd have to set up a lab and then attack and then capture the traffic, and then it's still going to be limited to what what tool set we had in the lab. I mean. You know, the idea of using uh, live exploit kits that are active in the wild, I mean, it's just not not easy to do that, you know. No. So the, the fact that they've collected this information and, and put it out there and made it available is just, you know, it, it's really a gift, you know, a, yeah. a, a gift to the broader community. For Which, sure. hey, that, that's what being a whitehead's all about, right? You know, using our skills for good instead of evil. <laughs> evil. Evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be evil. So... All right, so that's good. So a lot of folks uh, had great things to say about um, uh, what you did at DEF CON. Can, can you share a little snippet of, of what you did with DEF CON this year? Certainly. So uh, last year actually was the first time that I had approached DEF CON because they put out their little call for papers, call for uh, sessions. This year they actually did a call for training. So the first time ever, DEF CON said, hey, after the actual event, we want to do two-day trainings. So hey, trainers, give us your ideas. Now, last year, I approached the Packet Hacking Village and I said, hey, you know, do, do you guys want me to just do something on TCP? Because the more that I'd studied cybersecurity and I was, I was starting to get some certifications under my belt, get things going. The more I, I, I started studying that stuff, the more I realized not only is packet stuff on a lot of those tests, but also TCP knowledge is on a lot of those tests. Especially mm -hmm. if you're doing Absolutely. even blue team defensive stuff, if you're going to be configuring IDS IPS systems, you got to you have to know TCP, and you got to know it cold. So I reached out to the Packet Hacking Village guys, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm I do Wireshark deep dive TCP stuff out there in the industry. Are you interested in a session on TCP?" 
Mike, I thought they'd laugh me away. I thought they'd laugh me <laughs> off the stage. Like, psh, we don't need that. Huh? And, you know, they didn't. They they said, nope, we want this. We want this in the Packet Hacking Village. The session was completely full. It was virtual, but it, it sold out, if you will. Wow. And after the session, they said, we want more. We just will make sure to talk next year. So next year, instead of being in a village, the actual conference said, hey, we need a session on TCP. So I reached back out and uh, they let me do a four-hour workshop at DEF CON. Wow. And that, that was... Uh, that was the TCP deep dive one. I did TCP deep dive, and that was generally just how does TCP work? How's the handshake work? What kind of things like the Nmap scanning tool we were talking about earlier? How can I find strange TCP behaviors? What is TCP? What is it doing with TCP to make it do what it does? Right. So that was a four-hour workshop, and then in addition to that, I taught a two-day post DefCon course called uh, TCP for Ethical Hackers. So it was a full two-day course on how to uh, not just identify, but you know, it, I had both sides of the team there. I had red hats and and blue hats. I, I had every color hat. But <laughs> right. How does TCP do what it does in an attack? How can we right. initiate it? How can we scan systems? What is Nmap doing? And how can we evade or avoid? Uh, IDS systems, if we're walking by them, what, what do we have to be careful not to do? What are they looking for? Let's flip that on its head. What are these attackers trying to do with TCP and how can we find those signatures? So mm. it was a, I had a fun time. I'm glad that they yeah. invited me. That's, that's fantastic. You know, it's funny, uh, bringing up the fact that you focus so much on T TCP, I got to ask you for your opinion about quick. Um, mm. It's it's definitely taking its chunk out of uh, some of the uh, uh, normal uh, web based TCP traffic. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, quick is here. Uh, this this conversation could be over quick, and if it's not, it will be. Um, so so quick is basically taking the smarts of TCP, mm. all of the intelligent endpoint stuff that makes T TCP efficient and reliable and uh, insured delivery. It takes all of those smarts and it basically puts it on top of a UDP stream, but not just one TCP connection. Here's the way to think about it. If I'm starting a conversation with a server, a lot of times I'll start up several conversations with the server, right. but be because of TLS and some of the weight of encrypting, I, I don't want to start up nine, you know, 20 conversations. I want to do as much as I can with what, three, four, five in the old days, uh, when, Firefox first came out, Firefox was faster, quote unquote, just because it started up more TCP connections than Internet Explorer did. <laughs> so Internet Explorer <laughs> only had two connections per server. Firefox comes out the gate like a gangster doing eight per server, and it's just able to set up a bunch of TCP connections to handle all of that data coming back. Okay, right. that's great. But now let's encrypt all of that. Now I have to run all of the TLS on top of all of that and set up those keys and make sure that everything is not just reliable, but secure. Okay. To do that and to thread that across several different connections, it just gets heavy and it's a little clink, uh, clunky. So if you take all of those connections now, basically, and put those smarts up into the application just a little bit higher, yep. then just take that payload and put it over quick. That's quick. So, so quick is secure, reliable, 
efficient delivery, but it just happens to be done over UDP. So back to your question, what do I think about it? Well, it's here. Um, I, I actually have some course material on on quick and I, I went after it because I saw it coming and I was like, I don't want to be left behind <laughs> with uh, right. holding my TCP and wishing it would stick around forever. Um, it, and I think TCP will be here for a very long time, but as far as going the web traffic, traffic over the web to cloud-based systems or CDNs or standard web environments, I think that's going to be quick within the next. Yeah. I mean, it really makes sense. I mean, think about it. Why do you want your operating system handling the details of an application session? You know, it, it makes sense handling an application. In fact, we've actually been doing it for a while with, with RTP, you know, the same basic principle. It's just uh, applying it more broadly to web applications is, is what Google has done so well. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. And actually, you know, and I'm just going to, I'm just firing up Wireshark right now, Mike, we're running this. This is absolutely all UDP. It's not on the standard 443 port, but it's doing fundamentally the same thing, right? This conversation that we're doing is basically the idea of quick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I can't mention, mention names, but, uh, uh, a few years ago, maybe actually, oh God, it's been about 10 years. We were, um, working out, um, new, uh, VoIP and VVoIP communications across a certain uh, government uh, network. And um, we were basically experimenting with different uh, methods for uh, using re real-time protocol executive services over top of UDP to uh, facilitate multiplex streaming, but at the same time, um, you know, maintain a quality of service that's, um, you know, obviously higher than what you can get with uh, some of the, the out of the box things that are out there. Sure. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. So um, you're also uh, heavily, heavily involved with the Wireshark organization. So uh, tell us real quick, what, what's SharkFest all about? Yeah, so that's the Wireshark user and developers conference. It's basically the SharkFest trade show, if you will. And mm -hmm. um, I, I should just call it a conference, not a trade show, but Basically, twice a year, so once in the States, once over in Europe, um, they say, hey, everybody get together. Let's get some training. There's there's three different training tracks that people can go through, and it's a beginner, intermediate, advanced. It also has a security slant to it as well. Anymore, we're seeing that more and more. Um, but so SharkFest is basically a, a three-day shred fest with some of the best, <laughs> best packet analysts in the world. And uh, it's a fantastic place to be if you are, if you're new to Wireshark, like they love that. I, I, I'm, mm. I love having brand new people there at SharkFest. It's great. Um, people that have literally just downloaded it and know they need to do more with it. That, that part of the community is embraced like you would not believe. If you yeah, have fantastic. experience and you've been in this game for a while and you just want to up your game and learn some new filters, uh, a lot of the little tips and tricks that I learn, I pick up there because I get to watch someone, a, a fellow analyst, go up there and go through his his or her workflow, and I get to sit there and go, "Wow, I, you know, I, I either didn't know Wireshark did that, or that's a lot faster or better than what I've been doing." So, even for me, I, most of what I learn is right there at Sharkfest because you're just literally sitting next to. I, I, what I, who I feel the greats are, you know, the, some of the best nice. in the world. So it's a great place <laughs> to be. Now, prior to Shark Fest, we also do mm -hmm. a, a pre-conference training 
and um, usually there's going to be a two-day getting started with Wireshark course. And that's actually one that I'm going to be teaching coming up here in Europe in uh, November. And that's Whereabouts the, in Europe? It's in Portugal, Estoril, Portugal. So if anybody, and it's also available virtually. So if anybody's interested in checking that out um, and you're not in Europe, you can always attend it virtually as well. But yeah, the, um, the, the course is going to be called Getting Started with Wireshark for uh, NetOps and SecOps. So whether you're coming in from network engineering or if you're a SOC analyst and you just need to know more about how to use Wireshark for threat hunting, getting better at using it to find weirdness, then that's going to be what we're up to. <laughs> find the weirdness. I like that. <laughs> it's in there. You just got to find that weirdness. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I always tell, tell my students, you know, uh, first you got to know what's normal uh, before yeah. you can find what, what's weird. Uh, so uh, what you're doing is, is, is a great service to folks that need to actually do this low-level an uh, analysis. Yeah. Um, just curious, though, before we wrap, uh, what's the weirdest or most interesting thing you've come across so far, e either at one of these conferences or just in your own work? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, I would say, okay, let's just go back a couple weeks. I was working for XYZ company, and um, I'll keep it general. But basically, so they have this um, they have this system where they're coming through this, this basically it's a web proxy. They have a lot of systems that are coming in, accessing this whole web environment or their whole application environment. And it was slow, right? It was slow every 10 minutes or so. They just noticed it was just a recurring slowness. Hmm. So we were able to capture both external and internal on that proxy box, seeing traffic going to the front end and also seeing traffic come in. And, and some of it was tunneled. Um, like VPNs being uh, coming in and being terminated there. Okay, so we saw both sides, and I just noticed that one thing that, that grabbed my attention was during the slow, there was a lot of traffic, this burst. It just swelled. To, I, I saw the utilization map just go boom, and then it right. would come back down. And I'm like, hey, did you guys just sense that performance problem? And they said, yeah, it just happened. Okay, so I could correlate the performance issue with that increase in traffic. All right, so now let's take a look at this traffic. So I was like, this proxy is talking directly to your database. Should it do that? And they were like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't talk to the database. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's talking to the database. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, that's oh, that's not good. And I was like, no, that doesn't look good. At the same time, I noticed going out that we also had a similar sized traffic stream going to a country that they don't do business with. Mm -hmm. So it looked like, and I was kind of surprised as an attack. It's like, wow, this, you're being pretty aggressive here. If you sold this down, we might not have find it, found it as, as easily. But talking that, that box was talking directly to the database. And then it looked like things were being exfilled to a strange country right under our noses. So that's a pretty recent one. Um, and again, we went in to troubleshoot a problem, but we found that there was some strange security signatures there. Um, yeah. so, no, some no other doubt. ones I find, I, I often get called for TCP stuff, uh, working mm. with people that are uh, having slowness over long networks that are latent networks that uh, aren't handling windowing very well. Um, uh, just You mentioned it. You just said it. The the better you know how it should work, the faster you're going to be able to identify 
aberrant behavior. So I do get a lot of those types of things. And if people check out my YouTube channel, a lot of times I'm telling war stories or showing you things that I either just worked on or this part of the TCP header made the difference between us finding the problem and not. So yeah, love it. I love it. You know, it's funny. I, I love what you do so much because it, 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 it reminds me of um, the way I like to teach first year brand new programmers, you know, no integrated development environment, no IDE, you know, you're just going to write your first programs in a text editor because at the end you need to really see exactly how to do it before. Okay. Then you can get into the IDE and, and get, get all the autofills doing stuff for you. You know, the idea that you're getting to the packets and, and seeing how it really looks at a very, very low level. Yeah. Everything else is cake. Well, it's funny Beautiful. I, that you mentioned that, like even in my, um, my DEF CON course, you know, I hear I'm looking at an audience full of end mappers and I was just like, so has anyone ever captured an end map before, like with Wireshark? And only one <laughs> hand went up and there was 250 people there. Wow. So uh, that's, that's so important to know. What is this thing even doing? So I mm -hmm. actually, Mike, the, the, the conversation is going this way, but I'm actually working on right now, working on recording an NMAP course that I'm going to be releasing on Udemy in um, collaboration with David Bombal. But that whole course is let's start up Wireshark. Let's start up NMAP. Let's run all of these different scans, including some of the scripts. And let's see how this thing actually does what it does. And then not only do we understand NMAP better, but we also remember it better when we're out there actually yeah. trying to do pen testing or if we're uh, trying to just see what's open on our own networks. Once you see how it works, you don't forget it. Yeah. So. No, I, I love that so much because, you know, um, years ago when I would teach, you know, basic ethical hacking, you know, it, it, I would go through some of the things that NMAP is doing, you know, okay, uh, for, for like, OS enumeration, for instance. Okay, what's mm -hmm. the, the TTL? What's the initial window size? What, you know, there, there are certain things that are characteristics that NMAP is all doing behind the scenes. So if you capture an NMAP stream, you see it doing what we used to have to teach people one by one. So, so it's, it, it simplifies the learning process. Frankly, I tell you what, I'd love to see you do a, a video for one time. Just step through every phase of the kill chain. You know, and just sorry, this is what each part of the kill chain looks like. You know, that would be great. Actually, I probably would take a series, but. That's my, honestly, uh, my threat hunting course is completely based on MITRE and the, and the kill chain. Like Beautiful. every step, like what does this look like on the wire? What does this look like on the wire? What does this, you know, initial access, uh, callback traffic, exfil, like all of those steps. What does it look like on the wire? So yeah, I'll let you know when I, I launch that course on my site. All right. I, I'll definitely uh, pass it on to folks uh, so they can see that. Definitely. Uh, you know, th there are a lot of different kill chains and all, all of them are good. You know, Lockheed, Miters. Um, I actually like the DOD T&E because one aspect of that kill chain is it keeps reconnaissance and uh, and privilege escalation throughout the entire process instead of it just being something at the beginning and then you don't do it again. Well, in reality, you're constantly doing new scanning. You're constantly doing new, new enumeration. And you're constantly um, finding new ways to move laterally and, and escalate, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah. good stuff. Really good yeah. stuff. Yeah. No kidding. So, so what's next for you? Uh, in addition to some of these courses that you're working on. That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I always see what happens though. I actually know uh, I'm, I'm really trying to grow YouTube and also 
get some more of this training out there on demand. Um, I'm realizing that I'm only one guy and there's a lot of need out there for packet analysis and, and it's kind of bomb ball motivated. He had a good sidebar with me and he's like, you know, you gotta, you, you can't always just do live stuff, which I love doing live training, mm. but now you're limited. And then how, how many can you honestly teach? How many p- people can you honestly reach where if you do more on demand stuff, then it's, it's a, uh, not only more affordable for the more the open market, but more more people can benefit from that. YouTube as yeah. well as Udemy as well as some other more um, focused training. So I'm going to be doing. I'm spending a lot of time these days in my studio, and also naturally, as you start to get a wider footprint, well, then more people need help, and they'll find me and pop me an email and say, "Hey, you know this problem? I got this issue. These kinds of things are going on, you know." And I my goal is to. Uh, something something I've seen my whole career on the network and now um, I'm sorry the network engineering side is the gap in knowledge when it comes around packets. Mm-hmm. Just because someone's a CCIE master does not mean they know packets. They're amazing. They know their stuff around that environment. However, it doesn't make them a packet analyst. So nope. I've been I've been trying to to feed that side of the engine for a very long time. Now that I've pivoted harder into the cyber side i've seen that that gap i think is even wider in cybersecurity. huge so i'm going to do everything i can to to train to educate to uh help people to leverage packet analysis in red seeming for understanding what's on a network that they're trying to attack as well as blue teaming how can you tell when someone's here what are they doing what looks aberrant and doing it from the wire level that that's yeah. my mission. Well, I can relate. That, that that's why I got into cyber. You know, I, like I said, I, I started as a programmer and just worked through all different areas. And in the end, I was like, okay, we're we're, we're just focusing on capability and new technology, but we're not looking at you know all the vulnerabilities and what, what we're currently doing creates. And it's because you're right. Everyone's moved to a higher level and they're forgetting the low level stuff. And and if you know how to configure. Um, any sort of Cisco device and you can set up, you know, an enterprise with, with all the components and everything's talking to each other and it's all working, but you don't actually know what it's sending. <laughs> that's a gap. Yeah. So good yeah. stuff. It's a gap in knowledge. And a lot of times that's, those are the ones that I'm called on to help to troubleshoot, right? Like yeah. when the network looks green, everything looks fine, but we're still having the problem yeah. or with cyber, we, we got breached and we have IDS IPS systems. We have, um, we have sims set up and things you know this thing got by us so how did that happen you know? yeah well it's it's stuff that has to be done and we're just glad you're you're out there doing it uh, you're the man you you are king of the packet heads chris <laughs> and we love you for it hey mike thank you it's been it's been fun talking to you guys and i'm happy yeah. to help in any way if anybody out there uh stop by the channel and and i'd like to get to know you so yeah. Thanks for having me. Dude. Now, other than Googling your name, Chris Greer, uh, what's the quickest way to find your channel if they don't already know? Yeah, if you, uh, so packetpioneer.com. And also if you go on YouTube and you, and you just search Wireshark and you scroll down, you should be able to find one of my, look for the white hat, you'll find it. But that's where, that's where I'm hanging out and you're, you're going to see a lot more content in the coming months uh, all around packet analysis and how to get started. 
All right, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Really appreciate it. This was a great conversation and, and hopefully we can have you back and, and see what's going on next in your life at, at some future date. But thanks very much for joining us. Really appreciate your time with us today. You bet. Thanks for having me today. Big, big thanks to Chris Greer for coming on the show. Uh, cannot thank you enough. And I can't wait to actually be a part of the conversation next time. And I don't have to drop off mid-call. <laughs> Make sure you check out all the links to Chris's channel and website in our episode description down below. If you like what we do, check out the channel, watch our other videos. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And remember, stay safe, be secure, be sure. We'll see you next time.